This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Hey, Coach Charlie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How's your week been? It has been wonderful. Good. That's good stuff. How's your car been? Well, you know, <laughs> I did put brakes on my car this week, so there was a few things that had to be done. Coach, you 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 put brakes on your car like people just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I know, I know, I know. You're just, you're the guru. I had a soda today. <laughs> yeah, like, like Jay had a he soda. He changed his brakes. He changed That's his it. brakes this morning before he came down play. <laughs> right before he came in. But we're on with Coach Charlie, and we are talking about ignition systems today. That's ignition systems as it deals with key tumblers, key fobs, ignition switches, and more. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.com. Now, Coach, I looked up a definition of the key tumbler, at least in the ignition lock cylinder. They say is the cylindrical tumbler and key that is used to power on and start the vehicle. While many newer vehicles are now being manufactured with push buttons and keyless power and starting systems, traditional ignition lock cylinders are still commonly found on many road-going cars and trucks. So that's all I know now, Coach. <laughs> well, I think that's where a lot of people stop at. You know, they use the key. They say, well, I'm going to stick the key in the ignition. Now I'm going to turn it. It's going to crank up. Well, there's a lot of times you stick the key in the ignition where you turn the key and it doesn't crank up. Yeah. Either you're driving down the road sometime and maybe you can pull that key out while you're driving down the road mm. and the vehicle's still running. Or maybe that key gets bind, it gets bound up inside that tumbler. Right. And you can't pull it out. Had that, had both of those before. Okay. Well, those are problems that people have with their key tumbler. And then if we think about the key tumbler, let's go right underneath the key tumbler. Then you have the ignition switch that powers all the power to the vehicle. Where does that live under the key tumbler, Coach? That lives under the key tumbler or behind the key tumbler because all the key tumbler does, is it turns that switch. Right. Okay, right. So as it turns the switch, it has a little um, bob uh, sticking out the back of it. And what it does, it goes into the ignition switch. And then it turns the ignition switch. It has gears on it. And now it has a chain reaction. It makes power go to the vehicle. Okay. I've got to get back to the ignition. So is the ignition switch something that I can touch and feel? Or no. see with my eyes? You cannot see it. Oh. You can see where you put the key in. Right. As far as you can go. Now, you take the covers off of the steering column, the upper and lower uh, covers off of it, then you can see it. But you have to be very careful when you start replacing it because there's certain ways you got to replace it. It has a uh, anti-theft mm -hmm. uh, system on the vehicles. Mm -hmm. So when and usually that's what the, that's in the key itself or the tumbler itself. You know, GM had a thing uh, several years ago. They recalled 14 million cars. Mm -hmm. And the reason they recalled 14 million cars was because of the key tumbler. It right. Was, it was bad. Right. And the ignition switch itself. And so they had to replace 
all the ignition switches in GM vehicles right. that they sold in America. Because it was a, a bad key tumbler. Because it was a bad tumbler, uh, key tumbler. People right. were driving down the road. The car would stall because it would come out of start and go back and cut it off. Right, right. You know, so you had a whole bunch of problems, and we'll talk about some of those problems. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about some, especially when it dealt with driving the the driving and being able to take the key out. I had an old school <laughs> duster I could do that with, a Plymouth duster I could take the key out and just keep driving and the key not be in there. And then the one, but I think this may be, and you can answer this later, has to do with the gear shift when you can't take the key out. Meaning the gear shift um, fob button. Oh, yeah, we talked about key fobs, there. yes. Yes. So sometimes when you can't take the key out, now I'm noticing in my mother's car, she's got a Chevy, um, and I have to think of the name of it, but it's a, it's a Chevy SUV crossover, and the button gets stuck in the gear shift. And when that happens, you can't take that key out of that, um, out of that, the tumbler, basically. Well, see, that's where you go back to the ignition switch, okay? Because the key, once again, the key just turns and it turns the switch, and the switch is what produces the power and lets it go all over the car. But when you talk about those keys coming out and when you talk about those keys not turning, mm-hmm. either you have the tumbler itself bad mm. or the key is wore so wore out so bad mm-hmm. that it can't make connections. Oh, okay. So then you had those problems, too. And okay. then GM has a pass lock system on their vehicles here where you stick the key in. Some of them had chips in the key, uh, uh, microchips in the keys. Some of them have a uh, ohms resistance inside the tumbler. So you got to be careful when you start working on the keys and make sure you know what you're doing. Okay. Okay. We'll get into all of that. We'll get into all of that. How much maybe it costs if I can do it myself. I know I'm not talking about me, (laughs) but I'm (laughs) talking about somebody who could possibly do it themselves. But we're going to go straight to our phone lines. We've got Francis in Natchez on the line. He's got a dead battery. Get this Epsom salt fix question. Francis, you're on with Coach Charlie Melton. Thanks for having me on, Coach. I said I was telling my buddy I, I'm cheap, but uh, he's even cheaper. <laughs> my my question is: He read somewhere that uh, and his battery was graveyard dead. Uh, uh, he tried to give it a charge; the battery wouldn't take a charge. And uh, he said uh, he read somewhere if you take a solution of distilled water and Epsom salt, a heavy solution of this, and pop the battery off and uh, put that battery charger on manual for an hour and then let it rest 15 minutes. Put it back on manual for an hour. Do this several times. And lo and behold, his truck started up. Uh, and uh, I would just tell him, keep your battery cables handy. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, well, How reliable is this? Well, you think about what the battery has in it. The battery has sulfuric acid and water. Okay, that's what the battery has in it, sulfuric acid and water. You never, ever put anything in that battery besides distilled water or tap water, if you didn't have distilled water, after the battery has been in operation. Because what happens, that acid in there, uh, it interacts with the uh, lead because the battery is made of lead. So it interacts with that uh, lead plates and all and the paste that are in those grids in that battery. 
and you could cause an explosion because what understand what salt does. Salt makes a connection with the water. It makes an electrical connection. So uh-huh. if, if you have a bad cell, well, you know, each cell is like 2.1 volts. So a six-cell battery is a 12-volt battery. So if you got a short in that battery and you're putting salt in it, you could have an explosion. Uh-huh. Wow. I'm gonna tell him that. <laughs> yeah. How Francis, how long ago did he did he make that Epsom salt fix? He did it last week and uh, <laughs> uh, uh his, his truck is starting like a camp now. <laughs> well it may be starting because there he might have did something else with the battery itself. But no, he didn't. He didn't. I promise you he didn't. <laughs> well, I'm talking about it may have had a loose connection or something. Yeah. But you wanna be careful. Anytime you mess with that battery, it does have sulfuric acid in there, and it'll burn your skin, and like mm-hmm. I say, it'll burn your clo- it'll tear your clothing up. But you want to be very careful when you mess with a battery trying to put something else in it because it is sulfuric acid in water. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. Francis, right. thank you so much for your call. Thank you so much. That, right. that's, a, that's a fix now, that, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Francis. We're going to go to line two. You are on with Coach Charlie Melton. What's your name? Where are you calling us from? Hey, this is Diane. I'm calling from Jackson. How are you? Doing good, Diane. What's your question for Coach Charlie? Well, I just wanted to tell you, so um, you were talking about ignition switches and keys and whatnot. And about 20 years ago, I had a Saturn um, and I was having a hard time getting that ignition to turn. And I finally decided, well, I guess I need to go get a new ignition switch. And lo and behold, luckily, mm-hmm. I locked my keys in the car, and my, uh, my one of my family members had to bring me the extra key. And I used the extra key, and I compared both keys together. Mine was worn down to about enough. Yes. And I didn't realize wow. how worn my key was. But once I switched keys, and I could turn that ignition all day long. So uh, I would always tell somebody the first step is compare your compare the key that you use regularly to your extra key, just to make sure that it's not worn down. I always so, wonder. I always wonder if that's why they give us two keys, so we can wear one out and then get another one. Right. Oh yes. But anyway, I just want to know that, and um, and thank you, and mention that, and so thank you. I, I enjoyed listening to your show. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us a call. Yeah, that's a that's a thing, I guess. The the worn down key. Well, that's one of the things that people don't understand. They use the same key over and over uh-huh. and over, uh-huh. and it wears it completely out. And the first thing when I uh, encounter anybody with a uh, ignition problem with uh-huh. the keys, where's your other key? Yeah, because like let's say, try it. If you think about a door at your house that has a lock on it, you use the same key all the time to open it. Sooner or later, it gets hard to open. Mm-hmm. You go get another key. Mm-hmm. It opens great. Coach, I think people just want all of their stuff to last forever and never get worn out. And then, <laughs> well, then it's we, my car. I thought I could just buy it and just keep it forever. No. But then you start talking about why the ignition tumbler wears out. And like I say, go back to GM. GM had it, and what was happening to it is that there was too much weight on the keychain yeah. and pulling down on the keys. Yeah, I remember that. And that is what people still do today. They put too much weight on those keychains, and next thing you know, they have a problem. Well, I'll pull mine out for you on the break. You let me know if my keychain is too heavy. (laughs) Find our podcast on all podcast platforms for your smart device, 
Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Here's some recent recalls. Hyundai has issued a recall for more than 2,600 examples of its sporty Veloster hatchback over an issue with the rear parking sensor that could lead to a fire. Affected vehicles include model year 2012 to 2013 Velosters. The The issue is with the reverse park aid sensor, which could develop an electrical short circuit as a result of high conductive liquid leaking into it from an insufficiently sealed printer circuit board within the sensor. An electrical short increases the risk of a fire. To resolve the issues, dealers are replacing the reverse park aid fuse and sensor as necessary for free. Owners will be notified April 29th, but those with further questions can call the dealership. Jeep is recalling more than 69,000 of its manual transmission equipped Um, Wrangler SUVs and Gladiator pickup trucks over a clutch pressure plate that may overheat. Effective vehicles include model year 2018 to 2023 Wranglers and model year 2020 to 2023 Gladiators equipped with manual transmission. Friction may cause the clutch pressure plate to overheat um, and fracture resulting in cracks or holes in the transmission case. Heated debris may be released from the damaged transmission bell housing and cause of fire if it comes in contact with an ignition source, increasing the risk <clears throat> of both injury to vehicle occupants and those outside in the vicinity. A remedy is currently under development now. Owner notification letters are expected to be sent April 14th, but those with further questions or concerns can contact the Jeep dealership. Toyota is recalling some 130,000 of its popular Tundra pickup trucks over an optional Toyota Honu, I think that's what it says, Coach. Cover that may detach from the vehicle while driving. I promise you, I'm going to learn more when I'm sitting here with you, Coach. (laughs) I'm going to get these words together. Effective vehicles include model year 2020 to 2023 Tundras. A detached Tonu cover at speed could increase the risk of crash or injury. Toyota will request owners confirm if their truck is equipped with that cover. I'm not going to say that word again. In late March, (laughs) if the truck is so equipped, the automaker will advise removing it under a remedy available. Once that's available, Toyota will send another notification. Contact Toyota if if you have any more questions about that. And finally, of the numerous vehicles affected by the massive Takata airbag inflator crisis, Attention has turned to the Ford Ranger in recent months following a Takata-related death in November and now a new recall to address a population of the pickup truck that was improperly repaired in two previous recalls. The latest guidance affects nearly 99,000 model year 2004 to 2006 Rangers that were previously recalled um, in December 2017 and January 2018 for their front passenger side front airbag inflators. Takata's faulty inflators can degrade after long-term humidity exposure and inflate with too much force during an airbag deployment, sending metal fragments into the vehicle's cabin. The defect has been linked to more than 20 deaths in the U.S., and at least 67 million inflators have been recalled in tens of millions of vehicles. 
According to Ford now, the effective Rangers were taken in during those recalls, but replaced with inflators installed again in an incorrect orientation. The automaker added it was not aware of any related accidents or injuries. Um, to fix the problems, dealers are inspecting and reinstalling the front passenger airbag inflator as necessary for free. They'll begin notifying owners March 27th, but those with more um, questions can contact the dealership. Hey, you can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National High Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, nhtsa.gov forward slash recalls, and inputting your VIN, or you can find their Safer Car app. Hey, we're talking about ignition systems, and we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. We're going to go straight to the phone lines again. We've got Charles. He's calling us from the coast. Charles, you're on with Coach Charlie. Hello, Coach. How you doing? Mm -hmm. I have, good, I have a problem with my truck, F-250-01. And uh, I have here a valve knock or a lifter. Sounds like one. It's tapping. Now, I want, is there a way to address this issue without going into the engine? How many miles you got on this vehicle? Quite a few. <laughs> Quite a few. I'll say 160,000. What size engine you got in it? This is uh V10, Vortex. Okay. So what you could do on that particular engine, it sounds like it may be a little gummed up if you only have one lifter sticking. You know, what you could do is just get you some engine cleaner, put in there when you're changing your oil, clean it out, put new oil in it, and see what it does. Because there's a lot of times that you can just clean it out, and that one valve will uh, stop sticking. What kind of engine cleaner would I be looking for? Uh, there's a there's a lot of different ones at the auto parts store. It's just just get you a engine. It's it's just a good engine cleaner. STP has one. Uh, I think Fram has one. There's different ones that make just get some good engine cleaner. And really, what you're doing you're you're cleaning your engine like you're doing a radiator. You're gonna put it in there. Okay. You're gonna run it. Then you're gonna drain your oil and put new oil in it. Good. So try that okay. and see what happens. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. All right. Charles, thank you so much for giving us a call. Coach, you always know how to fix something. And you know, everybody's always happy. You know, I was thinking going back and talking about those airbags, we're going to have a safety restraint uh, show in the future talking mm. about airbags and those uh, tensioners on those seatbelts. We're going to talk about that yeah. and give you a little advice on that in the next two or three weeks. And more than advice, it's going to be some knowledge so, you're dropping yeah. on us, Coach. Who you're manufactures gonna... those, Coach? Those things are exploding every week. <laughs> Who makes the tensioner? Well, I think it's over there in Japan. Oh, okay. But probably China. Because yeah, we probably name it something different, right? We don't name it. Well, yeah, That's true. Know. We probably call some. You know, I was thinking, Jermaine, you know, we didn't really get to talk about uh, the warranties, and we're going to have a warranty show, but I just want to talk about this last week since we talked about EVs. Uh, I was listening to our <laughs> insurance commissioner yesterday on the radio, and did you know he said that there are some insurance companies in the state of Mississippi that will not insure EVs. Teslas? Oh, Teslas. Because it's an EV, because they have to total the vehicle because the battery costs more than the vehicle. Oh, wow. I just want to throw that out to our customers and our listeners. Don't call him, y'all. Don't don't call, Coach. <laughs> don't call him. I already I can feel the the fingers hitting the numbers right now, Coach. That's and look, the news for the day is it going to make any of that better? 
So when I tell you our our news for today, it's going to be like, oh, that's the cherry on top. (laughs) But again, we're talking about ignition systems today. We also have another caller on the line. Let's go straight to the phones. Randy from Baton Rouge. Randy, you're on with Coach Charlie. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I got a a Jeep question. I I traded a 2012 Jeep in on a 22 Jeep. And 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 uh, I guess it's something I got to get used to. But maybe you can answer this question. When I stopped, when I stopped at a, a, stop, a light or a stop sign, uh, the engine cuts off. And then I, then when I lift my feet off the brake, the engine come back on. Mm. Is there a way that I can cut that off? Because I'm not, uh, I'm not comfortable with that in this Baton Rouge traffic. There are um, every most. New manufacturers do have a switch on there. It has that little A on it, and it you uh, push that switch, and it will cut that uh, auto stop off. Okay, now this is – let me explain to you what that is and the reason why it happened. The manufacturers in the United States was trying to make it hybrid vehicles. If they can cut the vehicle off and make it cut back on when you take off, uh, they could consider that a hybrid vehicle. Even though they didn't have another battery in it, but they could consider that was a hybrid vehicle by cutting it off because they were saving fuel. So, but there is a button on there that you can push that will cut that off. Mm. Look in your owner's manual and find out which one that is. Yes, sir. Thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. Thank you, Coach. I don't have that, but I hear that in cars beside me. And here's the thing about that. I thought one time, you know, wives' tale was if you... If you cut your car off, because we were doing it manually before this 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 fix or this switch, um, if you cut your car off and cut it on, you use up more gas than just leaving it running. Well, not necessarily. Okay, it, it's not that you're using more gas. Really, the once again, the premises behind this was the emissions mm-hmm. that you're cutting down on emissions by the vehicle being cut off. Okay, and then you cut it back on. So that was really the premises of it was emissions. Okay, okay, okay. Well, that's close to what we're talking about, ignition. It's got something to do with (laughs) that, It's close to it, that's true. It's somewhere in the vicinity. (laughs) Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about ignition systems between your car repair questions. What's in the news? Well, Mississippi passes a bill restricting electric car dealerships. Mmm, cherry on top. I'll tell you more next. I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. Contributions help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy, and we thank you for your contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. In the news, Mississippi passes bill restricting elect car dealerships. The Mississippi Senate gave the final approval last Thursday to a bill to restrict electric car manufacturers from opening new brick and mortar car dealerships in the state unless they comply with the same laws traditional traditional get it out car makers follow. Now the legislation which now heads to Republican Governor Tate Reeves for his signature sparked an intra-party debate among GOP lawmakers. Opponents say it betrayed conservative principles 
principles by enacting a government policy that interferes with the automobile market and would stop electric car makers from bringing new technology and jobs to the state. Proponents say the law would ensure that all car manufacturers, regardless of their business model, play by the same rules. Tesla sells vehicles at one facility in Mississippi that is classified as a store, not a dealership. The distinction allows the company to operate outside state laws governing franchise businesses. This exception and the prospect of other electric companies taking advantage of it give these manufacturers special privileges that traditional automakers don't enjoy, according um, to some sources. Now, the Biden administration has incentivized the purchase of electric vehicles that, on top of an exception to regulations under state franchise laws, allows electric car makers to operate by a different set of rules. Now, the bill does not restrict the sale of electric cars as people can buy them online, but if they want to buy an electric car in person, they would have to drive to the state's only Tesla store in Pearl, which will be allowed to remain open under the proposed new law. Tesla or any other electric car company could not open a new brick and mortar location to sell cars unless they enter a franchise agreement and that bill passed in a bipartisan 38 to 14 vote. Give me the the layman's terms, Coach. On that. well, what they're doing there is just like Ford Motor Company. Uh, Ford Motor Company is a big company out of Michigan, but yet they have all these other companies with different names on them. They're all affiliated with Ford. Okay, they're all over the place. They're different owners, but Ford has control. Uh-huh. Same thing with Tesla and any other electric company, uh, car company. They want them to do the same thing. Whoever. And wherever they put a dealership, the customer has to go in there, and they can buy it from them there, and they had to have a service center where the vehicle is because you cannot have a dealership and nowhere to service the vehicle. Right. And that's what they're trying to prevent. Is that yes. that issue there. Mm-hmm. And that makes the playing field fair. Right. And it also makes your worries um, less I feel as well. You think about it. If you buy a Tesla here in Pearl Mm -hmm. and you live in Hernando, well, guess what? (laughs) You got to come back to Pearl to have your car fixed. Right. Okay. That's what they're trying to avoid. Okay. They won't, wherever the dealerships are, you need to have service around it. And whoever's in control, whoever owns the company, should be able to provide service in that area. Yeah. It sounds like the people in Pearl are about to get an 8 to 5 awakening. That's true. <laughs> it's about to be an awakening. Listen, I'll include a link to this story in our show's podcast description. Hey, we're talking about ignition systems. You can email your questions to auto at mpbonline.org. Coach, let's get into some um, ignition system questions as it relates to transponder keys, um, push button start, and key fobs. Well, if you think about what a transponder is, it is sending a signal from one item, electronic item, to another electronic item. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is that most of our cars now have transponders, key fobs. My new car. Yeah, new cars have them. And what you do, you push the button. It automatically sends a signal or a code out to the computer of that vehicle. Uh That computer recognizes that key fob. That's why people have the same key fob, but you can't get in the car. Right. Okay, because the computer is programmed to that particular key fob. Uh You push the button. The computer wakes up. It hears it and says, okay, hey, I'm here. Now you can go to the door. You can touch the door handle or even underneath the door, get close to it, and it opens as Uh long as you have the key fob in your pocket. Right. 
Okay, or your purse. Right. Okay. Now, a lot of people say, well, my key fob don't work. It's the battery, possibly, because okay, I had that happen to me. Well, that's the first thing they think is the battery. Okay. And that's the easy fix if it is the battery. Mm-hmm. But just understand what I just said. That key fob is connected to the car's computer. Mm-hmm. That computer looks for that key fob. Mm-hmm. So if there is something wrong with the key fob itself, that's $400 out of your pocket right there. My stomach just turned. Yeah, that's $400 <laughs> to get a new key fob. <laughs> and so you don't want to lose it. You don't want to damage it. Right. You know, I've seen people walk around with key fobs all taped up with tape. <laughs> Hold them together. <laughs> that's a 400 we ain't willing to spend that's, right now. That's exactly right. <laughs> so you want to be careful. And like I say, that all these vehicles, if it's with a key or if it has a key fob, they all have anti-theft on it. Right. Okay. And so you want to be careful. You know, uh, some vehicles let you lock your keys in the vehicle while you're in it. And some of them will lock the vehicle while you're out of it. Yeah. It gets that crazy. Well, you know, I had one. I wanted to tell you. So I shut the door on a Chevrolet one time mm-hmm. and the vehicle was running and it locked the doors. With the key fob in the car? I was outside the car. You were outside the car. But the key was in the car. Oh. It locked the doors. It was a regular key. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a key fob, but it yeah. was a regular key, you know, and it locked the doors. And so after that time, I always told my uh, students, always roll the window down to make sure you could get back in that car. Just in if case. It locked. If it locks up. So you still had those situations out there. Goodness gracious. And, you know, with the with the transponder key, I'm always weary. I mean, but you can have issues with any key, a regular key, a transponder key. But I'm always um, worried about you know, the last minute emergency, like whether or not my car is going to start up today with this push button. Now, before with the regular key, I could put the, you know, I don't know. I'm not a mechanic, but I'd put the key in there, turn it, turn it, turn it, push, the, push the gas, push the brake. You know what I'm saying? I just right. felt more in, in control and I feel less in control with this transponder key. Well, once again, this electronics, well, our, we had a caller a couple of weeks ago talked about the, uh, Vehicle that he had the key fob wouldn't work. Yeah. He didn't have a key. He couldn't get in his car. Yeah. Well, we had that same problem now. A lot of the times is that the key fobs do not have a key in them. Mine actually does. So that's a that's some a, of them do. That's a good thing. But that key does not work for the ignition. It only works to open the door. Open the door so you can get in. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Well, then you. Yeah, how about the ones the transponder where you had to stick in the dash you know mercedes had one and several others had uh just the electronic part you stuck in the dash and you turned it it was plastic like my mini cooper like your mini cooper yeah okay same thing uh those type systems those are good systems okay but you see they got rid of those pretty quick and then went they straight to the the transponder yeah 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 you know so when you think about all the problems you have once again it turns the system. It's, it's communicating with the ignition switch, mm-hmm. and then it turns the starter. Mm-hmm. Okay, because nothing's going to work till that starter turns and that ignition system is energized. Well, now the computer is energizing that system. Right. And this is the same for, like, if you have a vehicle that has a remote start as well? Yes. The same, same kind of idea? Same idea. Okay, same idea with that. And so once you start looking at what you have in your vehicle, just yeah. make sure you have that spare key. Yeah. Make sure you check your batteries. Make sure they're up to date. You know, because like I say, a lot of times if we use the same key all the time, you know, it's just like my wife's car. I've got her spare key sitting on the key rack. Well, we don't use the spare key. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, that battery is just going to die. Right, of course. And then when I need it. 
you know, so you want to make sure you check your batteries in those pair in those key in fobs. those keys, yeah, just to make sure you're you're ready to go in case of last dire emergency. You know, because <laughs> the thing is, uh, those keys, you know, they cause the engine to stall, especially the key that you had that goes into the uh, tumbler. Mm-hmm. That key comes out, that vehicle could stall. Okay, it could go from uh, the start position on back to off. Okay. Um, okay. Because it's loose inside that tumbler. You want to make sure that tumbler and give you a good example. I had a friend just the other day. I put a new ignition switch in and a key tumbler. He had been driving for three or four years with that key tumbler bad and his vehicle wouldn't start. Yeah. You know, he had to jiggle and jiggle and jiggle yeah. the key and slide it in and out. Yeah. In order to get it to start. Right. Well, before I could find out exactly what's wrong with his vehicle. We had to replace the key tumbler right. so we could get started. That was the start. Just to figure slide. it out. Just to figure it out. So we got the new starter uh, key tumbler in there. We got the new ignition switch in there. Right. Tightened up a couple things, and he was good to go. It was off to the races. But it was like that. three years that he put it off. Goodness. And it was a $100 fix. Goodness. Total. Goodness. 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 Just for that. Just for that. Just for that. Now, when it comes to replacing, let's just say, pieces of this ignition system, um, whether it be the tumbler or whether it be the ignition switch or whatever, is this something that, you know, somebody who has some kind of mechanic knowledge can do at the house, basically? Sure, you can. You just got to make sure that you understand some type of mechanical knowledge, that you understand how things work. And, you know, get on the Internet, look at certain places. But, you know, a lot of people go to YouTube, but I'm saying YouTube's not the best all the time. Mm -hmm. Just go to a form or something. If it's a GM, mm -hmm. if it's a Ford, just go to their form and you can get a lot of advice off those forms and tell you exactly how to do it. OK. Now, okay. if you really wanted to, you could buy all data and it would walk you right through it. Right. Right. Let's just say, though, like you just did, if we if we had to get one replaced, maybe the key tumbler at a dealership, is it expensive? At a dealership, it's going to be pretty expensive. Okay. Well, because like I say, the parts cost me right at $100 to do the job. That was the parts. But, you know, you do buy original parts and, mm -hmm. you know, they the dealership's going to charge you by the hour and they're going to charge you a minimum amount. Okay. Okay, so that's just the cost difference. But if you don't know how to do it, don't do it. <laughs> well, the main thing, don't put it off because you will be stranded and right. you will be trying to get somebody to do it. And they're going to pay, charge you a lot because to get you it were done. stranded because you should already had it done. To get it done. Okay. Coach, we're, before we go to break, we're going to go to a quick email. Now, this email is coming from... Um, Auto. <laughs> no, Van Johnson. Van sends us an email about his head gasket. Um, the head gasket blew on his 04 Forerunner 4.0 V6. He bought this car less than a year ago, and the guy said a new head gasket had been installed already on the car. He's asking, should I replace the gasket or look for a new engine? I'm going to do it myself. Well, the thing is, if they put a new head gasket on and they didn't do it correctly, and when I say if they didn't do it correctly, they should have had the head inspected at a machine shop to make sure the head wasn't cracked or it wasn't uh, warped. And then they should have put the head gasket on, but they should have made sure that that head was done correctly, that there was nothing wrong with that head at first. Okay. And they were talking about, you might think about what a head gasket is. A head gasket is between the cylinder head and the main block of the engine. So if you know anything about mechanical work, you'll know what that is. I know I've blown a head gasket. I know that much. Well, it separates the water and the oil from... Getting into the oil pan and getting into the cylinders, yes. Right, 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 so. right. Uh, I know about as much as when I tore it up. No. <laughs> <laughs>
hey, we're discussing emission, I mean, ignition systems <laughs> and taking your repair questions. You can send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a new car review for Casey Williams coming up and Coach's Tip of the Week. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Here's a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. My mother-in-law recently came to me and described the car she wanted it's essentially a Toyota Camry with more space and luxury, and I think we have what she wants. It's the totally redesigned 2023 Lexus RX350. On the outside, brand new styling, but still looks like the familiar RX350 from the past. Big spindle grill on the front, really gets in your face, but also really classy and elegant. Inside, that continues with brown leather seats, panoramic sunroof, Mark Levinson audio, and heated and ventilated seats front and rear. Of course, all the advanced safety systems are included. Underneath the skin, we keep it simple with a 2.4-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine, delivers 275 horsepower, get 21 miles per gallon in the city, 28 miles per gallon on the highway. And if you want more performance and economy, there are hybrid and plug-in hybrid versions. So let's talk about price for this one. Well, the RX350 starts at $48.5. This one, all in, $61,740. See the full video on his YouTube channel. Auto Casey and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with the replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Stay tuned after the show at 11 a.m. at Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Morgan McLeod. I'm Jermaine Flood, and our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASE Certified Master Technician and Car Guru. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. You know, uh, Jermaine, we're talking about ignition and tumbler key, the key tumblers. I want you to make sure that everybody take all that extra weight off those keychains so that key will oh. take and continue to work in that steering wheel. I was going to, I meant, look, does that look heavy? That's little heavy weight. <laughs> They really just want you to have the... This is like 17 inches worth of key right yeah. here now. <laughs> they really just want you to have the key itself without nothing else on there. Oh, I'm going to lose that. <laughs> you know, I do this so I won't lose so it. So you won't lose right. That's it. Right. <laughs> That's $400, Coach. That's I it. Tether that bad boy. That's I've it. got a C-clamp and everything on there. <laughs> That's a good tip, though, Coach. Make sure you keep that keychain light. So. That's right. Yeah, make sure you do that. We're going to go to the phones. We've got Jim and Jackson. He has got a turn signal question for Coach. You're on with Coach Charlie. Coach, I don't think it's right that automobile manufacturers send cars to Mississippi with inoperable turn signals and only one headlight. And I just don't think that's right. <laughs> I think everybody has that, don't they? <laughs> they? They need to get them fixed for sure. Yeah. Jimmy. There are a lot of them out there. There are a lot of them out there. My daughter came over the other day, and she says, can you fix my backlight? I said, which backlight is it? Well, I didn't know which one, and I told her, I said, cut the lights on. Guess what? It was the left side. I put a new one in there, and now she has two in the back instead of one. So she's one off the Mississippi roads that now have two. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a real thing, Coach? They don't send them. He, he's talking about what people drive around with. Not fixing their lights. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about people just don't fix their lights. At all. Yeah, when they should be fixing their lights. We can't.
can't see them, coach. Yeah. And a lot of it's an easy fix. Uh, I can see know. the fronts if I'm in some in behind somebody in the you dark. Say, you can see their rear lights. Yeah, I can true. see. I'll be honest. On my car, I had one that went out three times in eighteen months, and by that third time, Ooh. I was ready for it to just sit and think about what it had done <laughs> for a little bit. I, 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 not even what it cost to replace it. I was tired of having to. Scratch up my wrist trying to get it in that weird angle that I had to get mine into that Honda Pilot. So. Well, a lot of times people understand they replace the bulb, it goes out quick. First thing, they got oil maybe on their fingers and they touch the bulb, it got a hot spot, it went out. But that's not really the main problem. What happens is that they replace the bulb and the connector where the bulb goes in, it gets hot, it's made out of plastic. It gets hot, it melts, and then it has a short in it, and that's what makes the light go out most of the time. Mm. Yep. Mm. Okay. Okay. And we just got to look at our lights from time to time. Yeah, check your lights. Make sure that you, uh, so other people can see you. Okay. Yeah, about a year ago, I was uh, before I could fix one, the second one out <laughs> at night. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I had to drive to the the nearest auto building yeah. to get it fixed. I, get that yeah. I was like, well, so can't, can can't risk it anymore. That's right. it. <laughs> One and done. That's all. <laughs> well, we're going to go to an email before we get out of here. When I am driving coach and approaching a red light or a stop sign, I usually take my foot off the accelerator and let the engine compression slow the vehicle down before finally hitting the brake. A friend of mine recently commented on this and got me thinking, Am I doing damage to my engine with this practice? This is coming from Norman Hop. So exactly, what does he do? He takes his foot off and yeah, so that's the vehicle coast or what? Uh, he's he's approaching that red light stop sign, takes the foot off the accelerator, and he lets the engine compression slow the vehicle down. Yep, before finally hitting the brake. So he's really letting the RPMs go down on the engine. Well, that's not hurting the vehicle whatsoever. But it is slowing the vehicle down because the engine is not going as fast. And then when he comes up to the light, matter of fact, it'll save his brakes because he's not stepping on the brakes trying to stop the vehicle all at one time. Oh, yes. Preach that again, Coach, because if I'm behind somebody who doesn't take their foot off the gas, I think I do the same thing Norman does. I take my foot off the gas, I approach the light, and then I push the brake a little bit later. But I've already slowed. Yeah, but that's the proper way to do it anyway, instead of coming up to a stop sign and just stepping on the brake real hard. You know, yeah. because if you're slowing down, that means that you're not using the brake as much, mm-hmm. and that means that your brakes will last longer. Okay, okay, okay. So, I'm but, just... but as hurting the engine with the internal part of the engine, no, you're not hurting the engine. Yeah, and then I don't want to bother anybody behind me with just my lights blinking, blinking, blinking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I see. (laughs) Well, just slow down and then use your brakes uh, properly. Don't stomp them all at one time. Right, right, right. Okay, one more email. I think we got time for it. We're weighing the pros and cons of hybrid versus combustion engines, sedans, specifically Hondas and Toyotas. Both manufacturers offer both types of the same models. The sticker price of a hybrid is more than that of a conventional combustion car engine, but the mileage on the hybrid is always significantly higher. Warranties and options are pretty much identical. The question is about comparing long-term costs for repairs and especially the cost lifetime of a replacement hybrid battery. We tend to keep our cars for as long as possible, so we're interested in your advice before investing in a new vehicle. This is coming from Rebecca. Well, Rebecca, you know, uh, if you're going to buy a hybrid or a just a regular internal combustion engine, uh, I had that same thought when I bought my wife's Honda. Um, 
once again, you say the long-term maintenance. You know, uh, when you talk about long-term maintenance, you got the batteries, you got the uh, motor part of the hybrid. So you have more, a few more parts in there that is combined with that internal combustion engine. You know, if the price is worth it, you know, they could be somewhere in between five to six thousand dollars more per vehicle in just the mm-hmm. upfront expense, mm-hmm. and then you just determine uh, what it's going to cost you to maintain that vehicle. If something was to go bad, because that battery, sooner or later, it's a smaller battery. It does lose the uh, voltage uh, where the capacity to hold the voltage. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that, that'll do it for today. Thanks, Coach. What a great show. Thank you. I know. We always have a good time. That'll wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Our crew engineer is Jay White. For Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, I can't get that out. He's the car guru, though, (laughs) y'all. I'm Jermaine Flood. Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.